you, I mean, you nailed it. I think that that that's the critical first step in any pedagogical process is for teachers to take like a personal inventory, just who you are, how are you feeling? How are you pro- then projecting it? And you mentioned, you know, as as educators and administrators, they get all these fancy letters next to their name and then somehow feel entitled to put students through this deficit thinking, this lens of def- deficit thinking. And, you know, students, they don't have the language to like, oh, my teacher administrator is completely viewing us through this deficit model. But what they are doing is voting with their feet, you know, or they're like, you can, you put out that energy, kids, they get that a hundred percent. We know that. And so, um, and I think it's something that we as educators and administrators need to really recognize and take more time to critically self-reflect on not only what we've achieved as professionals, but who we are as humans. Shanti Branch, and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast, where men get real. Men of all ages and backgrounds come to this space to own and discuss how they present themselves to the world. In this work, in the Million Mask Movement, the front of the mask represents what are the things about ourselves that we gladly talk about, we love to talk about. And the back of the mask are the things that we don't usually talk about, we don't usually let people see. Maybe you can ask yourself right now, like, what is on my mask? What are the things that I spend a lot of time talking about? I share freely. And what are the things that I'm just prefer not anyone to know about, or I prefer not to talk about I prefer to stay out of the conversation. That's the mask. And so today you get to hear a man, Jerome Hunter, who's going to share his mask today. Jerome is a co-founder and chief academic officer at Seattle school for boys which encourages and inspires students to become compassionate and intellectual leaders. Jerome is passionate about supporting young people to dismantle systems of oppression in education and build equitable futures. After teaching humanities in Seattle public schools, volunteering with My Brother's Keeper, and collaborating with experts in neural education, Jerome was inspired to found a school that centers racial justice and employs practices based in brain science. Seattle School for Boys serves a diverse community of middle-aged boys in Seattle Central District. I don't know if you remember being a middle schooler or if you are currently in middle school, whoever you are listening to this. Middle school is a wild age. That transition from being with the same teacher all day long to having six or seven different classes, the number of people you have to interact with every day changes, and so much of your biology is transforming daily. I am... I'm applaud anybody who works in middle school as I have done it myself. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of kindness and empathy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jerome, and I hope that you get a chance to not only check out what he's doing here, but the work that he's doing in bigger audiences around the world. Thank you for being a part of Taking Off the Mask podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Jerome Hunter, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, look, Jerome, you know, what we want to do is you and I, um, 
um, have had a couple of chances to connect and I'm excited we're back in this virtual world. I, I think when we were first talking before the show, you were like, oh, I think we met back in 19. And I was like, it was not the 1900s <laughs> when we met. So uh, the Zoom world makes time like feel like it warps, right? Yeah, time feels uh, a little different. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it was just yesterday. It was just yesterday. Right. Even though it was around 2019. So, so glad to be connected with you again. And will you tell folks what you want them to know about you before we jump into these masks? Like what, how would you introduce yourself in this space? And then and we'll jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Jerome Hunter. I'm a co-founder of an all-boys middle school. I'm an educator. I'm a community organizer and a proponent of healthy masculinity. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, right, right there. That's right me. There. That's me. Okay. Well, I guess we're about to jump into the deeper part of that, of that intro. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you as a guest, you get to decide who goes first. So either you want me to go first or you go first. Um, and uh, and whatever you decide is how we will roll the show. OK, um, you know what? I'll, I'll take a shot and I'll go first. And uh, okay. this is, the, you know, I do want to say that this is an exercise that uh, I've done with students in the past over the course of, you know, the last She's six, seven years. So I, I just uh, also want to say I'm grateful to be here. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll kickstart it and then we can go. Okay. So if you just do the first the front first and then um, so you can fold it in half or however you want to organize it. But just so we can like start with the front and then we'll and then after you do the front, then I'll either you want to do front and back or you want me to do front and front. And then however you decide to help us structure it, we'll, we'll go from there. Wonderful. So I'll start with the front. Um, and it also says my city. So I'm representing Seattle, Washington. And um, what we can see here is kind of my outward facing uh, attributes. Uh, I'm a driven person. Uh, people would say that. Um, some people would say that I'm funny. Uh, some people would not. Um, and then some people would say that I'm kind. And so these are the three qualities that um, I typically show. Um, on a daily basis, um, outwardly. Cool. Cool. Any, anything you want to say about any of those that, 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 that feel resonant right now? Yeah. And so uh, I think one discussion I had with uh, some educators a while back was just, uh, being able to explain to young folks, young men specifically, kind of the difference between being nice and being kind. And, mm. um, you know, being nice is something that you can you can do, and it might sometimes feel um, incomplete because you might uh, convey nice words, but the the meaning and the um, context behind it might not be there. And so, being kind um, is something that uh, I like to share with students, and that really is just gestures of doing what's what you feel is right, uh, even when nobody's looking. And um, for me, as someone who advocates for uh, healthy masculinity and modernized masculinity and um, supporting young men grow into their whole selves, uh, I believe it's critical that I uh, exercise kindness on a regular basis. And um, that's something that I value. And, um, you know, it kind of keeps me grounded as well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. 
So so I'll do my front now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So front. Um I was I, I was I was resonating with kind because I I have written that before. Um and I I wonder it didn't come out today. But let's let's see. There here's what's here's what's really hot and present today. So that's the mask. Mm, mm-hmm. And um the words are dedicated, serious, and funny. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in that order, maybe in that order, right? Like I think um like if I think about the in, like the things that are really important to me, like like I'm super dedicated, like right? Like like in, in friendships, I'm dedicated in family i'm dedicated and like work i'm that probably leads a charge right now in this season <laughs> of my life dedicated and serious too right i think like and i think sometimes you can be dedicated towards a goal something meaningful and important um and i think people when they read it from the outside they can read it for lots of different ways right because i'm like i think i'm i'm, I'm serious about a lot of things like i take I take education really serious. I take when I see another student being hurt, stabbed, killed, like I, it's almost like I can't, like I, it's almost like I can't look away. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this idea, like I, I sometimes wonder about people who can see what's happening in our, in our schools. Right. I mean, education is a passion of mine. So for people who it's not a passion for, I can see that. But for people who say that they're passionate about education and then do nothing, it, it almost it drives me to like find myself trying to avoid a, a social media w battle with somebody because they're saying something. I was gonna say stupid. It, uh, well, I can say it in this space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're saying something stupid or dumb or in, in, unintelligent or ignorant. Right. And so I feel like the need, like I have a responsibility to educate the ignorant out there. And also, I'm like, I don't have time to be educating all these ignorant people out here because there's too many of them. Mm -hmm. They they outnumber me from many to one, <laughs> and I don't. I and I got other things to do, right? But right. ultimately, when you see somebody spewing some ignorance, I like I feel like I'm so intense, and, and and because I'm sometimes sarcastic, it can come off wrong because I'm like, I I really hope that you don't have any children. <laughs> you know, like that you that, that that you are responsible for because you're, you know. And then I was like, okay, Sean, you can't say that. That's gonna be that's an insult, right? But I'm actually kind of be trying to kind of be a little levity to it because I don't want to like slam this person into the digital atmosphere, you know. Right. And I think those places of like, oh, I just see exhausted. Like, okay, Ashanti, just don't don't reply. So I I spent 12 minutes trying to rate the correct the perfect reply, and then I just didn't send it. I just deleted it, right? Because. It's not going to do anything good. It's not no benefit. Who does it benefit? Right, right. And so that, that's what I find really permeating this idea of what I try and show, mm -hmm. even though sometimes I don't actually put it out in the world. You know, even though I feel it. You know. Yeah, and I, I hear you on the seriousness behind the work that we do as as educators and community leaders. Um, you know, education is a vehicle for change, um, especially for students who are traditionally marginalized and. Um, when you're in the work, you can't compartmentalize it. It's not something that you can just kind of put to the side and, and, and carry on because it impacts our lives in so many different ways. And understanding that uh, we have a responsibility as educators to create a better future with our students, um, that you really got to be all in. You can't, you can't go halfway. 
<laughs> so no half stepping uh, from going back to the 1900s. But uh, it's like something, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just one of those things that is um, you have to be passionate about it. And um, I think in that passion is an element of seriousness. I was, can, may I ask you a question? I don't know the, the, the correct format of this, but. Hey, this conversation. Yeah, I was thinking, so out of the masks that you've created, do you find a quality that's a through line at, uh, over time that there's a quality that, that just keeps kind of showing up on the front? For me personally? Yeah. Oh, for me personally? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've made hundreds of masks, right? So, um I think I've had to like over since episode I think it was episode 50 was um I was on an episode with our engineer and you know he 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 engineers all the episodes so he's like I, I want to ask you to try to do something different I said like, okay um he says I want you to use a word that you have never used before uh-huh. and I was like whoa wait a minute wait a minute and I found myself stuck you know like so I I think like when I when I think about I think a through line is serious I think serious is probably the probably where I've used I've always been really serious. So I think I can go back and actually look at my, my, the first mask I made, what did I write on that mask? I got to go back to the documentary and look at what I think about what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was, you know, that was the first time I did it in the documentary. So, uh, but I think serious is definitely one that I use often. Um, funny. I, I think those two. Um, and then another word that usually pops in, but I think I've been really trying to do a, a idea of like what, what am I wanting people to see? Because I think what happens sometimes when we do workshops is people will think we're asking, what do people see in you? Mm-hmm. As opposed to what we're actually asking is, what do you let people see? Because we can't control what people see. Right. Like sometimes people will try and be writing what they what they think other people think. And I'm like, well, no, the question is not that. The question is, what are you attempting to let people see about you? And they may misunderstand you. Have anybody been, and, I, and I always say, anybody been misunderstood before? And people will raise their hand, right? Like you thought you were being kind, mm-hmm. but somebody said you were being rude or aggressive. Or they said you thought you were being helpful and somebody thought you were being nosy because you're asking them questions about their life. And so I think that we can be misunderstood, but that doesn't mean that's not what we're trying to do. And so I think being able to be clear about what our intentions are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a big part of this movement as well, right? Oh, I'm attempting to let people see these things. Now, people, I think what happens when we think about, I mean, I think about probably boys and what I've worked, when when they start the name calling stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I get my feelings super hurt, there, there, there's a question about why my feelings get hurt. Either I have already said those things about myself and now it has now permeated past my mind to reality. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, whatever, I don't, whatever. Right. Like, because if I'm, if, if, if I don't have any, connection to that word about me why would i get now i'm could be mad because somebody called me a name and there's a period the fact of a name right but it's also some deep things that happen when the psychology of what names we get called stick more than others right 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 and so i think that our work is really when we talk about this work with not only myself but with others is like what is how much oh yeah i know i know why i know why i'm getting triggered by that thing that person called me or said about me is because I probably kind of believe it about myself already Uh, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't want it to be real, but now it's being called out. Right. Like I think those kind of things. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's critical to recognize and, you know, be generative in that space to our, for our younger, um, younger males. I think uh, oftentimes they'll play around with words and they'll use 
words that are hurtful in kind of a funny manner. And sometimes that's mm. that kind of projection of that voice that's inside of them. And, um, you know, whether it's positive or negative attention, they'll do it just to be seen. And so it's, you know, really, you know, creating space for those conversations around like, why are you saying this is, do you really think that this is funny? Um, and how so, and mm. opens up space for conversations around, you know, um, how you feel about yourself, your identity and how you treat others, you know? And I think, um, in workshops that I've done with my students with this particular exercise, we've had really rich conversations around what, what is funny, you know, in this kind of middle school space of 11 years old to 14 years old. And, you know, are you, is it, is it matching what you perceive to, to, to be, or is this, are you kind of disconnected? And so um, what we try to do is um, make those connections and say, you know, if, if is this something that uh, is you're feeling about yourself or is this something that you're you know, trying to get a rise um, from your peers to, to gain attention? Um, and so like the, the funny piece, we, I see that a lot on some of our younger men uh, masks. And then we get to explore it a little bit and kind of de determine, you know, collectively what's what's funny. And uh, it all also allows us to go a little deeper so they can kind of self-reflect on, you know, where this <laughs> where these words are coming from, where these phrases are coming from. Is it a projection of kind of self um, self identity in these moments? So, yeah. 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 So when you when you make your when you do this activity with students, do you make a mask also? I do. I do. Um, I, for me, it's important to model this vulnerability, um, model the discussion, facilitate the discussion. So um, it, oftentimes they're surprised because, you know, <laughs> I'll have qualities on the outward facing mask that almost directly compete with the qualities or traits that are on the inside of the mask. And so I talk to them about, you know, for me, it's really hard to um, work through those qualities consistently in a way that is, um, I guess, altruistic. You know, I got to be able to engage with a whole bunch of people. And so, you know, I gave them the metaphor of like the swan or the duck where, you know, I might be looking really smooth on top of the water, but underneath my feet are pedaling like crazy, you know? And so, mm. you know, when I share the other side of my mask, um, you'll see that there are certain qualities that compete directly with the qualities that are on the outside of the mask and, and students um, gain insight on that because there is a misconception that, you know, once you become an adult, all your problems mm. go away <laughs> and it's not the yeah. case, you know, it's, you know, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily get easier. You just get better at, at managing it. And so we're trying to equip you with those tools to where you can, you know, prevent some certain negative outcomes, or you can take a different path uh, when it comes to making decisions about life, relationships, community engagement, things of that nature. And so, um, yeah, the times that I've done this exercise, I felt it was necessary and essential for me to, to go with, go through the exercise with them because, um, just to show them that it's, it's always a process. It's, there's never an end point to this growth. And, um, you know, I, I always take them back to, um, 
you know, the quality of being kind, as you know, I, I say that there's a, there's a quote, oh, I'm going to butcher it right now, but it's just, you know, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And, um, mm. you know, we don't know the struggles and challenges that uh, we carry and others carry. And so, um, you know, even being able to see that on the other side of the mask is like, oh, okay. It kind of makes sense now. I wouldn't have known that, you know, you've got some family issues, uh, mom's working a lot and you're not getting that attention. There's elements of neglect, all of these things um, that these, these kids carry with them and these students carry with them. And so to model it, and then to also know that like there's spaces to have these conversations and even just to listen, you know, and I think it's that, that, that conversation and, and the communication piece is really important. And you touched on it earlier with this, um, idea of like how we talk to ourselves. So we, we talk a lot about intrapersonal communication where it's like, you got that voice in your head and, you know, we, we really try to say, Hey, let's tap into the tone of the voice that's in your head because the tone of the voice is going to determine how you interact with the world. And so if you got this negative tone in your head telling you that you're not good enough, uh, you're angry, you're going to project that outwardly into the world. And so then we're like, okay, well, how do you connect with that? And then engage intrapersonally, that's, you know, you're interacting with one another in a way that is um, healthy and respectful. And so it's this kind of reciprocity of communication that takes place. And, um, you know, this this actual exercise helps to facilitate that and that, that discussion. So. Yeah, well, maybe you mentioned that the back like how you connect with students by understanding that there's more so let's jump into the back yeah and i imagine that's going to generate um some more dialogue in terms of like because i think that ultimately what we're trying to do in these conversations is as educators um we we you know as an educator for myself I'll speak for myself i am really good at getting into a philosophy of my work around education right and i think yeah. what we we've had a lot of educators on this show and we try and like figure well as we are in that role all the time, like, cause where do we get to go? Mm. Where do we get to go? Do we, we can't, I mean, even though we share some real stuff with them, there's so much that we can't share with them. Right. And we still doesn't mean that we don't need to share it. We just got to find those spaces that are, that are available, that are right. Mm -hmm. And that are appropriate for us because as adults and as men in this work, like there's a lot, there's yeah. a lot expectations pressure responsibilities demands confusions conflicts like you know you get the, the list can be almost endless sometimes right right um even the stuff that just pops up out of no nowhere because it's it started online on friday night and now it's coming to school on monday morning and you're like what why am i having to deal with this and your families have dealt with this this is y'all drama y'all bringing this in here and now i have now you brought 20 other kids in it mm -hmm. because now they're all in them and so you mean you know how the swirl happens right the fray mm -hmm. we get we get sucked in so let's jump to the back and then let's because i think i think as educators we could talk forever but i want to as we help other educators other and we educated as you know education field has so few men right right and why is it so hard right i mean not only do, how we we respect educators in terms of financial just justification of how we want to support them living. I think there's so much more into that too. So let's do the back. And then I imagine we're going to, 
we're, we're already in it. You know, yeah. you know, it's already happening, right? It's already <laughs> happening, right? So, yeah, much appreciated too. So I, I wrote small, and it, you know, it's, there's some psychology behind this too. Uh, you know, the smaller you write, the less secure you you feel. But I've got uh, at the top here imposter syndrome, um, and I'll speak to these. The other is anxious and sad, and these are um, these are qualities that I they just kind of ebb and flow throughout my existence my day I think um so the competing piece so I on the other side I have driven and similar to you like I commit I'm serious about it a lot of times and if I have a goal I do whatever I can to achieve it um the (laughs) the challenge with that and I expect to achieve it but the challenge with that is once the goal's been achieved and I'm in a place, I sometimes feel like I don't belong there, even though I've done all the work. Mm. It's partially because of representation. You don't see a lot of men of color in certain spaces that I've been afforded to, to be in. And so that is a, a reflection of like, hmm, what's going on here? Where's my value? Uh, what do I have to bring to the table? Where is everybody else? Where are all the other people of color, right? And so, you know, I start thinking about that. And sometimes I lose sight of the work that I've done to get there. Um, and that it happens. And, you know, I think what's been beneficial is um, being able to name it. There's, uh, I think, a lot of value in mental health, mental wellness, um, uh, specifically for men of color and uh, taking time to, you know, whether it's meditate pray, go to counseling, a combination of those three to really check in, um, you know, because if we don't have, you know, uh, that analogy, the the oxygen on our uh, covering us, we can't save anybody else. And so we've got to be really um, rested and, and restored. And, um, you know, I think that that's that's critical. And, um you know, through some of these qualities in the back, like the uh, anxiety, I didn't realize that I was anxious probably until the pandemic. Like I had, um, there were just so many outlets. So I, you know, I'd go play, if I felt like nervous or overwhelmed with work, I'd go play basketball Um, or I'd go uh, hang out with some buddies or I'd go, do something. And then once all of that kind of closed down during the pandemic, mm. I was starting to feel a certain way. And, you know, mainly because of just not having outlets to, um, to exercise some of this angst, but yeah. not having those outlets allowed me to recognize that I do get anxious. It's just not, you know, and, and so I could investigate it a little more and say, okay, I get anxious when I have, you know, um, a list of objectives and not a lot of time. Or yeah. I get anxious when um, I am in spaces where I feel people are way more qualified than I am, but I'm asked to, you know, c- contribute. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, back to that mental health piece, you know, that's where it's allowed me to name it and then meditate on it. And then, self-affirm and know that, you know, I've done the work 
and um, it's okay to be nervous, but it's also, I've got enough, you know, we had, you know, as we get older, that's why I put here, it says my age, it's pretty old. I didn't give an exact, mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, as, as we get older, we have, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, we've got data points uh, that we can refer back to. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. That was Sean. great. That was, that was great. I was like, well, you said, well, you said, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I always leave mine off when I'm in workshops. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so, you know, just kind of relying on data points that, uh, of success and, um, and I kind of lean on those to enter into new spaces and say, okay, I got this, but you know, um, that's not without, you know, taking time away and um, finding those groups, those circles, um, whether it's like professional learning, uh, you know, communities of color, whether it's um, your family, um, you know, a network where you can kind of just exhale. And it's, it's so critical to do that. Um, and then the other, the last quality on the back was um, sadness. I think um, mm. there's so many intersecting emotions that come along with working in the community, working in education, trying to be a, an agent of change in these spaces and bumping up against um kind of gatekeepers of the status quo. Um, and I think at times in this work, there are moments where you'll engage with folks and the video doesn't match the audio, if, if you know what I mean. And so, you know, when it's time to, to really take these these steps forward for progress in education um, and, you know, authentic community engagement. Sometimes um, you feel isolated and that kind of makes you, makes me feel sad at times um, because, you know, you, you, we, we, you know, we will talk about these things and like we'll do these initiatives and you look around yeah. when it's time to actually do it. And yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, yeah. and so when the, the video doesn't match the audio for me in this work. I, I feel sad at times. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But what keeps me hopeful is our students, uh, our students and our youth. Um, they, they're fearless and they're committed. They're open-minded. Um, and, you know, they have always been the anchor to, to the work that I do is just knowing that, you know, when they re realize that they've got adults that care for them and that believe in them, they'll give it right back. And um, so that's, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm really grateful for in those moments of, of sadness because it comes and it goes. And, um, you know, I think that's all part of the, the um, process. But, you know, at times it, it can get um, <laughs> it can get sad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, I um I resonate with sadness, and I I, I appreciate you showing it and sharing it. Um, 
So let me just start there then, because um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling that right there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I wrote sadness last, even though if it was in degree, what's happening behind there? Sadness is probably sadness is probably in the higher. So sadness, worry, self doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about sadness. I underlined it twice. I think um, like the anniversary of like my grandmother's passing was last month in mm-hmm. February, and I and I. Like it was like, um, I think the a memory on my, you know, I have, a, I have a, my, on my phone, a Google says, oh, oh, this thing happened, you know, whatever. So one morning I woke up, it usually happens around 6 a.m. or something when I get that little message, mm-hmm. little photo at the bottom and I click on it and it was a photo of me and my grandmother and I was like, oh, right. And I was like, now it was, a, it was a photo from like before she passed. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, wait a minute, this is this is around the time. And I went back on my phone and I realized when it when it was, and it was like, you know, I had missed it by two days. I don't know that I need to have remembered it. I know a lot of people who 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 do that, who I've seen people post. And I think I've tried to like resist, I think I've tried to almost pretend like it hasn't happened, even though I'm clearly that it has. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh man, it, it was like a couple of days ago. I didn't even, I didn't even like acknowledge it and i think mm. deep down like i don't want to acknowledge it i think the sadness of 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 not having her still resonates really loudly mm. and i think those emotions sometimes are just hard to like process and i haven't fully you know i, I mean it's it's been what it was happened 2020 summer of 2020 right, right before covid right yeah, yeah. and literally happened in, like right before covid wow. so i was like in some ways in my life in my in my days, I was like, "Thank goodness that she's not here," because I, I would have had a hard time like not visiting her and just waving at her through the screen, or you know, doing a drive by to drop off food. I would have mm-hmm. felt more. I don't know what I would have felt, but I, I had this feeling like I'm not. I'm not glad she's not here, but I'm. But I'm. I'm wondering what the alternative would have felt like to be so to see you, but can't really connect with you in a different way. You know, so it was. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of that, and I still carry. I still carry it. I carry. I think the first time I said I was doing a workshop on the East Coast, so it was super early here, like six AM here, and I was hearing them in my office and I was like doing my intro and I was like, um, it was shortly, you know, when I was thinking about her a lot and I said, you know, in some ways I'm really glad and I was like, How dare you say that? Mm. Like I literally as I was saying it, I found this this, this like battle in my mind, like, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. You can't say that you're glad that she's not here. Even with the explanation, it felt and so I was having this like internal like dialogue over that week, like, how could you say that? Right. Mm-hmm. But ultimately knowing what I meant, and I think it's the same thing about like when we say certain things, people are gonna see it from their paradigm and the way they see the world, and they could totally miss that we're talking about us. <laughs> right. 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 And because we put our lenses on and we see the world through our own lenses, we oftentimes tell people that no, you can't say that you can't think like that, you can't feel like that, you can't be like that. You have to be like I, I am, mm-hmm. even though I'm not really in front of every. I'm not if I, if I was deep down, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in our world, right? We see that in a lot of ways, and in political, we see it in 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 race relations. We see it in just what in a lot of the ugliness that is happening today more than ever. I think mm-hmm. it's happening more blatantly in person, out loud. I imagine people had these feelings. You can't be like, oh, people just made up a bunch of feelings about how they hate so many people. No, I think it's just people were like keeping it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And 
You know, sometimes I think I, I heard Malcolm X say, you know, I, I don't know Malcolm X or was Muhammad Ali. I don't know one of them, but they were talking about like, it's better to know that there's a snake right. than to think somebody's got your back and find yourself getting bit. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, yeah. oh, just let me know how you are. Let me know who you are so I can be prepared, right? Exactly. And I wonder... I wonder what's better, right? Yeah. To know all these people are so hateful. Like, oh my goodness, have I have I been just around a bunch of hateful people all this time and just thinking that they were kind or yeah. that they were nice or that they were that what I was feeling was real? Yeah. And you, and you sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder. And I think um, when I think about those things around my sadness and the worry and self doubt kind of roots in from those. You know, I think the 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 worry of our world and our young people. Like, you know, I, my algorithm is, is programmed to <laughs> seeing a lot of crazy stuff happening in schools. Mm -hmm. And I see it all the time. And I find myself feeling like, what what are we not doing right as an organization that schools are not using this resource that we've created that helps them to deal with the stuff that they're not dealing with? Because every time I see another kid gets, gets injured, hurts, mm -hmm. like stabbed, I feel like, personally like responsible not not that i have caused it but that somehow the work that i'm called to the world to do i'm not putting it out wide enough i'm not casting a wide enough net because the fact that you didn't know that these kids are feeling this means that either you as an educator are on the verge of incompetent mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. or you're 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 willing to like because you asked them how they're doing and everyone said, fine, you believed it. Right. Right. It's, and it's, it's, it's remarkable because we think about like trauma and grief. Um, and I think about it just as, as a black man um, and just the, the walk that we have to, to take every day to, make these calls are these you know like you're saying are these people being sincere in their approach with interacting with me or are they harboring something that they don't feel like they're comfortable sharing um and then we also we're human and so you know whatever stages of grief is there nine or six whatever stages they are they're completely out of order you know like mm -hmm. i've had tremendous loss in my life so i can i can relate and there's no kind of linear connection of like, okay, I'm feeling sadness here. I feel anger. I feel resentment. It comes and goes. Um, and I think that, you know, just as our students bring their full selves to the classroom, so do teachers and administrators. And I think that the schools and the institutions really should take a moment to recognize that and have a collective and authentic space for healing. Because I think once we acknowledge that we're all going through stuff. We all have our, our positionality and how we view the world and how the world views us. And we have to coexist on some level, and, you know, at the very bare minimum, at least in this building. And so, you know, how do we, as, as institutions and, and educators, normalize healing? especially for, for men and young men where, um, you know, the, the traditional notion is to just move on. Not a big deal. Shrug your shoulders. Keep moving. Uh, we know that every time that the shoulders shrug, that pain goes deeper and deeper into their hearts, making it hardens it. 
And so, you know, we want to have spaces where everyone, but specifically, I think, young men to um, feel comfortable sharing what's on their hearts and on their minds and normalizing it in a way that kind of just gets us back to the essence of this is what it is and this is what it means to be a human. Like, just because you look a little differently doesn't mean that you're not going to have loss in your life. doesn't mean that you're not going to have financial hardships. doesn't mean that you're going, you're not going to question yourself in certain situations. Like we all do that. So like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's create healing spaces for it and not have it be like a one-off or this checklist that, you know, you have to do to, you know, uh, secure grant money for an initiative. That's, you know, Mm. um, it's like, let's, let's be real about it. And, um, I think that it's 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 such a complicated. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. That's the thing. I think sometimes we make it complicated, but really, it's just coming back to the basics and the essence of we're all humans. We bring our full selves to our space, and we want to do our best. And sometimes our best looks different, um, and. Mm think too like there's you know I, what resonated with me you mentioned that like when things don't go as planned or students are you know they they find themselves in unsafe spaces or or injured there's a there's this almost visceral um feeling of responsibility of like even though we, you know it's not necessarily something we facilitated but it's like we have relationships with these students. We do our best to serve them within this locus of control. Um, yeah. But, and we also have taken this opportunity to really do our best to impact change. And um, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, I, for me, it's, it's, the change is not clean. It's, it, it can be messy. Um, and, you know, I tell families and, and, and other uh, administration administrators and, and educators about just like the middle school years. It, and if we look at it as like a second infancy and like, it's an opportunity to really impact change. Um, but the change that's being made won't always be immediate, um, nor will it be uh, quick and easy. It's usually messy. And I think that's kind of the work. You know, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you in a lot of those places. I, I want to say something around the part where bringing our full selves, because I wonder, mm-hmm. and, and I and I and I may, I guess the best way I can I can ask to re, 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 think about the, the the prompt is as a teacher, as a former teacher and a former administrator, I find that these masks are super powerful. And I think oftentimes, if we are expecting students to bring their whole selves, maybe a lot of educators forget that. Mm-hmm. One, two, educators have gotten really good at embedding themselves in the expertise of a subject, mm-hmm. and so therefore, um, no, what I, I I cannot be questioned, or I cannot be uh, a kid who doesn't like my class is somehow a personal threat against my existence, mm-hmm. and so now I am mad at this kid because he hates my class as opposed to being like yeah no worries 
I had plenty of classes I hated too when I was in school. So you don't have to like this class, but I'm here to support you to be successful. Right. And I think that what I've met with some, so several, not every, several educators is this idea that this kid doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this room is actually pretty ugly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I wouldn't want to be here either. Right, right. So, like, don't take it personal. And what can we do to support that kid? As opposed to, like, this kid is is the problem, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that all times, because we have now become adults who have these degrees and status and a job and the keys to the room, mm-hmm. we get to have all the power. And I think that that often creates a lot of the barriers. And so educators bring the, the self that they think can keep on hold on to that power even when there's stuff in their life that's falling apart Mm. and they and they can easily become projectors of that stuff on students right and i think that you know what i what i when i do professional development with educators i'm always talking about the idea that there is so much more to you than anybody can see by looking at you Mm -hmm. and there's more to your students so if you take a kid not paying attention in your class as a definition of that kid that doesn't care about their education or their future, mm-hmm. that's a that's a huge leap, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's a huge leap from a kid who doesn't want to be in your class to the fact that this kid has no <laughs> desire to be an educated being. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe 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 we're stretching a little bit. Maybe we're stretching a little bit. Yeah, you know. And as an administrator, I had to go and talk to the educators around. Okay, um, let's. What's 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 happening? What's happening? And you realize there's a there's a personality conflict there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stop this kid from being an amazing kid. Doesn't stop this kid from being brilliant. Isn't co- it means you and this student has a have a conflict that we have to help figure out. Mm-hmm. And I found that sometimes as you know, educators are sometimes the worst students. <laughs> right, right. They're, yeah. the, they're the worst students. And my job as a, edu- a teacher of teachers, a, a trainer, is yeah. to be like, hey, maybe you came here and you don't want to be here. I mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about that kid who walks in your class every day and you know they don't want to be there. Right. Right. What, what what story do you tell yourself about that kid? Mm-hmm. And so imagine as humans, we tell ourselves many stories. So imagine like if I were you telling a story about you, about how you sit in the back with your arms folded, grading papers while I'm talking, doing something else. Oh, because we're, oh, we're adults. So we don't have to follow the same rules of learning that anyone else follows, do we? Right, right. And and how do we help educators get into a mindset of understanding that, oh, we're talking about human stuff. Yeah. We're not talking about power dynamics between adults and kids. We're talking about like what a human look like. And so if you are if you come to PD grouchy already mad and you want me to somehow keep smiling and keep trying to pull you along, and you should imagine how that feels for me as right. the, the facilitator of this experience, right? And I think that when I help the teachers to kind of recognize what they do, mm-hmm. which are the qualities that they actually, dis- to, to the verge of despising in students, yes, that, that they begin to realize, oh, wait a minute, that's, I'm projecting. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm projecting some of my stuff of how I used to be, am, was, think about and i think that's the work that we try and do and so yeah i mean you nailed it i think that that that's the critical first step in any pedagogical process is for teachers to take like a personal inventory just who you are how are you feeling how are you then projecting it and you mentioned you know as as educators and administrators they get all these fancy letters next to their name 
and then somehow feel entitled to put students through this deficit thinking, this lens of def deficit thinking. And, you know, students, they don't have the language to like, oh, my teacher administrator is completely viewing us through this deficit model. But what they are doing is voting with their feet, you know, or they're like, you can, you put out that energy, kids, they get that a hundred percent. We know that. And so, um, and I think it's something that we as educators and administrators need to really recognize and take more time to critically self-reflect on mm. not only what we've achieved as professionals, but who we are as humans, you know, like yeah. we're all impacted by social issues. We were all impacted yeah. by COVID on some level. We were all impacted by the 2020 demonstrations uh, yeah. from George Floyd on some level. We yeah. think about Ukraine right now, like we all have something mm. that is tied together. And so I think it's an opportunity for educators to recognize that yes, at the essence of this work in education is really trying to support young humans to be better humans. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's yeah. the thing. And yes, you can be a math whiz and your content knowledge and physics is through the roof and you've got all these awards, but if you can't communicate that to your students who have historically been on the margins, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, there's Ooh, yeah so how do we how do we bake in some humility in that um in that in that knowledge that we gain from all of these professional accolades you know well i tell teachers look if you care more about the subject that you are teaching than the subjects who you are teaching there's probably going to be a disconnect mm -hmm. because i've met many a kids who if i don't show up someday at school this kid's going to make up their own homework Right. I made up. I met kids, and I met kids that if I deliver the homework to their house with a pencil and a Manila folder, that homework ain't coming back. <laughs> so if you are understanding <laughs> that my job is to teach those people in the same room at the same time, I need to recognize that it's more than the subject. Right. Right. It's it, it got to be about who they are. What What am I missing? What 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 am I missing? that you need to be able to understand and see more of yourself right now. Yeah. And I was, I was talking with um, a fellow colleague about how to connect with, with his students. And he's, he, he shared with me, you know, one thing that he does is he just asks the student, you know, if something's going on, like how long have we known each other? And let's say the student's been in your class for two months, but the student might ans answer like a couple days. And so that in itself is a, a relationship kind of barometer on like how well you're connecting with your students. And so mm -hmm. he's like, if you use that simple question, you might be able to really connect with these students. And you're like, how long have we known each other? Oh, three years. Mm -hmm. This is why we're engaging in this type of conversation versus. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that helps to center the um the student, it helps to also, yeah. you know, build that relationship to where students are then, you know, trusting enough to take those academic risks. So I don't think if, you know, if they don't trust you, um, yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to go above and beyond and see the yeah. purpose in that. And so um, it's, it's really, you know, relationship based, human based work that we're all doing.
I have one question because we're running out of time, but I, I, I told you we could talk forever. So I want to, mm-hmm. uh, this is just to be continued in the context of, of this, but why education? Why, what, what was it about your experience growing up or in life that made you, that called you to education? Um, and I know that probably, you've probably been asked that and that's probably a 12 minute answer, but I'm asking <laughs> for the, the, the laser ver- <laughs> I don't like Russian people at all, but I know you got you know you get back to your day, and I just want to respect yeah. your time. But yeah. but what 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 brought you to this to this work? Yeah, uh, I'll give you Cliff's notes. So um, uh, I was the first to graduate, first generation uh, to to graduate high school and college, and then post grad. Um, I think for me it was it was two pronged. I could see the. Uh, opportunities that were afforded by having an education. Um, and then as a, as an educator um, and as a community leader and organizer also saw um, the schools as the heartbeat to the kind of greater ecosystem of society to make change in a positive way. Um, and so I, got into education and it's going to sound cliche, but it's really to, to liberate students, um, whether it's their, however, and, um, I've seen positive results from that. Uh, it's not easy, but that's, that's kind of the purpose behind the work. Hmm. Thank you. I heard a, a quote from uh, Che Guevara. It says a true revolutionary, is driven by a sense of love. Mm. And I think that to be somebody who is willing to sacrifice whatever you have to sacrifice to be in this work and to help liberate students, it I think there's deep down probably some love in there that um that can't be denied. So thank you for the work you're doing. Hundred percent. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you for the work. Is there any what what um for those, you know, parents who heard you, you know, working you're leading a school, mm-hmm. what kind of school is it? Any information you want people to know about how they can follow up with you or the work you're doing, maybe they're in the Seattle area or just nationwide, would you let folks know how they can follow back up with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um I've got a website, JeromeLeeHunter.com, uh Seattle School for Boys dot uh, org, which is an all boys middle school that weaves together social and emotional learning with um high quality academics. Uh, we've got three um, foundational pillars around communication, healthy and balanced confidence and contrib- contributing to the community. Um, also, you, you can follow uh, me and the school on uh, all of the social media platforms. Well, we will link all that in the show notes for everyone. And um, Jerome, thank you for being in this conversation. You know, I, I love talking to educators, but um, definitely educators who are uh, passionate outside of this, the classroom, right? So thank you for the work. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And folks, look, Jerome and I, we shed our masks here publicly. You don't have to do that. You can actually make your mask anonymously. And we invite you to do it soon because in the next 30 to 60 days, we are going to hit our first milestone of 100,000 masks around the world. And so Jerome is going to mail us some of his masks from Seattle. We're going to get masks from around the world. And we invite you to go to millionmask.org. Make your mask. Be a part of this first 100,000 because we're on our way to a million. And we would love you to also be a part of these conversations and know what it means to experience what's happening behind the mask. So thank you so much, folks, for being a part of this. Jerome, so good to have you in this conversation. 
And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode milestone and begin the work to the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. That's November 11th of 2022. There's a math problem in there. You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care. We'll see you soon.